Hello and welcome to Crosstalk. I'm Wes McAdams, the preaching minister at Baker Heights Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Our topic for today is common misunderstandings about God. How well do you really know the God of heaven? Stay tuned for that exciting discussion. You're listening to Crosstalk, which is brought to you each week by Baker Heights Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas. Baker Heights is a friendly, loving, growing, and biblical congregation. If you're in the Abilene area, please come visit us. Now, back to the show. There is no more important question than this, who is God? Yet, as important as a question that is, it seems people's understanding of that issue are all over the map. When one person describes what they think about God, another person says, oh no, God's not like that. I don't want to believe in a God like that. So who is God really? Is he a heavenly Santa Claus who gives good boys and girls whatever they want? Or is he sitting on his throne with a lightning bolt waiting to throw it at people who step over the line? Well, the only way we can know who God really is is by looking at his word, the Bible. That's what we're going to do today as we discuss some common misunderstandings about, the, about God in light of Scripture. Today's guest is Gary Montgomery. In addition to being a faithful gospel preacher for many years, Gary is a close family friend. Gary, welcome to Crosstalk, brother. Thank you, man. It's great to be here with you today. Well, fantastic. Well, I appreciate you being here. I know that you're mostly retired now, but how long have you been uh, preaching and teaching God's Word? Well, it's an honor, first of all, to see Crosstalk and the pre presentations that you're doing. I'm excited about what's happening at Baker Heights and about this outreach to the community here. My work has spanned about 51 years. Uh, I was blessed to be involved in a young man at Abilene Christian College back in the 50s and early 60s. Met my wife there. We were involved in ministry together. Been blessed to travel around the country and the world and preach and teach. And so today we really are talking about the God that you and I have been serving. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it, don't you find that as you look across our culture today that there are so many different understandings about God and not all of them can be right? Uh, Wes, one of the things for me uh, that, that really rings so true about our culture today in this 21st century is that people are finding so many gods in an abstract way that they follow and somehow try to attach. But in the process of it all, they have no sense of comfort, no sense of support and direction. Absolutely, absolutely. So if you were going to kind of make a list of some of the common misunderstandings that you, that you see around the world, what, what would some of those more common misunderstandings be? You know, I have a good friend who's been trying to get me to start using the ATM. And I tell him, I'm too old for that. I don't want to push a card in. I'd really like to talk to someone at the bank. So I pick up my cash there when I can, and that's what I do. But I wonder if it's not like the ATM. People think, well, I carry this card of spiritual acceptance and the feeling that God is there. I go to the ATM, which is indeed a time of, quote, prayer or request, and God takes care of those needs. If mm -hmm. he doesn't, I'm hurt, I'm disappointed. Sometimes I'm even angry. Uh, I, I remember talking to a young lady several years ago who said to me, you know, God has failed me so many times that I've given up on the fact that he's going to look after my needs. So we almost think of this term of place where I can check out those things that I need to make me happy. Yeah. So we see God as being in our culture today. So many people see God as somebody that's there for them or somebody that's supposed to be there for them to fulfill all of their wants and their needs and, and somebody that's just there at their beck and call. And then they don't understand when God doesn't give them exactly what they want. They think, well, what went wrong? I said the prayers. I, I, I went through the steps and and something's broken in the process. Again, in the process of learning about God, many have been told that there is a God who, quote, 
reaches out to you in grace and saves you and that he's going to provide all of your needs and look after your concerns in life. Well, that indeed in a basic sense is true, but when you recognize how God relates to us through his spirit, there is a really big misunderstanding about the fact that God's going to control everything and when he doesn't, it's because I've been bad. So we end up with a real guilt complex trying to relate to this God whom we're trying to discover. Absolutely, absolutely. So what are some of the decisions that people make based on their misunderstanding, their flawed concept of who God is. What are some of those in your years of ministry, what, what have you seen people do and, and some bad roads that people have gone down because they just didn't understand who God really is? Wes, early in my years, I was privileged to work and learn and study in the mental hospital program of Texas and, and, a, and a program that taught us how to relate to people facing struggles and problems that later involved drugs and alcohol and many other things. In that process, we learned that somehow we all have a God. We all have a God that works and reaches out to us. How we establish that relationship becomes skewed by the pressures and the struggles of our life. Again, childhood often causes that God to be, as you said in the intro, a Santa Claus. That if he doesn't come, it's because I've been a bad, bad boy. Mm-hmm. I was raised by a mother, uh, a father died when I was young. We were taught to pray early in our lives, but taught to understand prayer was an avenue to express our needs, and yet we were looking and relating to a God who already knew and was watching after us, but wanted us to serve Him. Mm. That's, that's an interesting concept there, that God wants us to serve Him. Yes. Now that, do you see that much when you look around our culture, I'm, people understand that idea? I'm, I'm sorry, I think right now it's the, it's the uh, buffet style of religion in America today. Abilene, wherever we are, people say, I want to go there and I want the things I want, be sure I have the classes and the opportunities and the services I need. After all, the church is there to make me feel good and to direct me in my problems. And, and I go away saying, well, what else can you do for me and my family and my children? Mm. Uh, there's an interesting note in Job 23. You remember the story of Job and many of our listeners will remember and our viewers today. Job is in that struggle of his life when it seems, quote, in the country terms that I was reared in, the bottom fell out. Mm-hmm. And, and Job is saying, you know, if I could just know where to, oh, that I knew where I might find him speaking of God in his life, that I might come even to his mercy seat. I'm trying to find God when all of these things have struggled. Evidently, I missed the relationship that I need with this divine power in my life. Yeah, absolutely. So in your decades of ministry and your decades of of looking for God and trying to understand more of who He is by, by searching His Word. How has your understanding of God grown and changed over time? Let me tell you this. I've known you since you were a young man and you're much in the footsteps of my energy and my drive. I think I found myself as a young minister saying, I'm going to somehow compel and, and convince these people that they need Jehovah God of the Bible. So it was a matter of winning the debate rather than being able to relate and listen to the needs and meet people where they are mm-hmm. and share with them the story to lead them where they needed to be. After about 10 years of my early years of ministry, the light finally came on. It took a while for a country boy. But once it came on and I recognized that I was there to share and to listen and to relate to people, even in our pulpit and public presentations, 
we're watching an audience and listening to their hearts as they respond in worship. And then in that process, we find that God for them has somehow become a picture that we're trying to help them discover. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that reminds me of when you look at the God of the Bible, when you, you get this big picture, yes, He's a God that wants to be served. Yes, He's a God of, of sovereignty. Yes. yes, He's a God that, that takes sin seriously, but He's also so amazingly patient. Right now we're doing a series on Noah and we're talking about uh, the flood, but you think about all of those decades that it took Noah to build the ark and God was patiently wow. waiting for people. And for us that are in ministry to take on that, that aspect of God that says, yes, sin is a serious thing, and, and yes, um, God has high expectations for His people, but we have to be patient with them as they continue to grow and as they continue to learn. had a good friend years ago tell me, you know, it, with God, in terms of our spiritual growth, it's like people. We don't all wear the same size shoes. Mm. We put on our shoes alike, but they're different sizes, and therefore our minds and our abilities are different. But you see, the struggle that many find, I was in Bangkok, Thailand years ago with Parker Henderson, took me downtown uh, to the place where so many of the Hindu gods and the gods of the East were present. There was a beautiful fountain flowing 24 hours a day. There was a wrought iron fence built around that, and people came and knelt and tossed their money inside that fence. And the monks came in and swept up the money and carried it away. Mm. And if you ask one of those people, did you hear God speak to you? He would say, no, but I'm waiting for God. Did God tell you what to do? And did God tell you things? No, but I'm hoping that God will speak. You see, there was nothing there. It was an inanimate object. Mm -hmm. It was a piece of stone, a piece of wood. And there was no voice that could speak. It was that which indeed in Acts 17, so oftentimes we read it and we hear him say, these things are not speaking to you. This God in whom we live and move and have our being, he's a real God who knows your heart. Yeah. You know, that brings up an interesting point. You know, we may not in our culture in Abilene, Texas, we may not have people going down to the Hindu temples or the fountains to, to find God, but certainly people are looking for God in all different places. And they're obviously coming up with their concept and their understanding of God in different ways or else they wouldn't come to a different conclusion. So what are some of the wrong places people are looking for God? Where, where are they developing these misunderstandings about God? How are they coming to these conclusions that God is a, a heavenly Santa Claus or on the other extreme that God is, is uh, some uh, vengeful God that's sitting up there waiting to throw a lightning bolt at him, you know, just doesn't want him to have any fun or enjoy life. Where are they coming up with these misunderstandings, do you think? I read a philosophy and a, and a subjective thought regarding life and people's pictures about God. One writer said recently, everything can be made good by God if you treat it in the right way. And he was referring to drugs, to alcohol. He was referring to sexual perversion. He was saying it all can be something that satisfies your sensible needs and God gave it all to us. Well, what I have to remember and what I wanted to say to that person whom I did not know is that this God created a world and everything in it, he called it good six times in the story of Genesis. But you see, in the goodness of our world, Wes, what troubles me as an old man of 73 years is that I see that we make things what we want it to be and say, well, God made it for that reason. After all, it's my business and God's going to save me anyway. Now, the concept of salvation makes us truly create a God who is there to serve us rather than us to serve Him. 
Yeah, and, th and that's exactly what I see happening, it, even amongst those who call themselves Christians, is that we've done the exact same things that those who created idols have always done, and we've created a God that we want to be there because we want this God to serve our needs and do what we want. And so uh, we've even done that with Jesus. And it's amazing to listen to people talk about Jesus. And it's like, you know, they have this concept that there's this idea of who Christ is, but it doesn't match up with what God's word says. And that's what we really want to get back to is what does God's Amen. word say about, the, about God, about Jesus? And this is the source of information. That's what we're going to talk about in just a minute. We're going to come back. We've got a, a lot more to talk about on this subject. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Crosstalk, which is brought to you by Baker Heights Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas. Find out more about Baker Heights by visiting our website, bakerheights.org. Welcome back. We're talking with my friend Gary Montgomery about some common misunderstandings people have concerning God. Gary, the first thing, in the last segment we talked about just some general misunderstandings that people have, but I really want to get into Scripture, and, and that's where we're going to find out who God mm, really is. Yes. But before we read Scripture, before a person sits down at home to read Scripture, before we, we get up in the pulpit to preach Scripture, whatever it is, don't you think that we have to have the right mindset? What, what are some of the, the factors that, that go into having the right mindset when we go to God's Word? What should be our thinking when we dig into it, if we're going to find out who God is? I was thinking earlier this morning, perhaps maybe one of the struggles that people face is understanding the authority of the one we call our God, Jehovah, and say, you know, can I really believe and say that person is one to whom I can look and I can trust, one who is able to understand and know my needs, so can I trust his judgment? Can I truly recognize that he has that sense of compassion that will care for my needs? I shared a story with you off camera about a young man that I met about five years ago over in Zambia where I've been going to teach every summer. And he shared with me in a time in which we were learning and talking about our relationship with God and studying the Bible about Jehovah God. And he said, can I tell you what happened in my life as the witch doctors and our gods that I had learned to worship, many, many gods, came to me and gave me instructions. His son was very ill. He had a baby daughter, had just been born. And they finally said to him, the only way you're going to appease the gods and many of them were animals and others that they worshiped in their, in their environment, is to take your baby girl, go down to the Zambian River, and throw that baby into the water. And the crocodiles destroyed it quickly. And he cried and said, you know, I didn't know about a God that was alive, a God whose message had already given me a powerful sense of trust and understanding. I can still hear James talking to me now. Wow. So when, if somebody's sitting at home right now and they, they are going to open up the Bible and they're going to say, who is God? Teach me who you are. What kind of a, a mindset does, you know, let's say that there's a 30-year-old a woman out there that, that is a, a young mom and she's, she says, I, I really want to know who God is. What, what kind of a mindset does she need to have when she opens up the Bible? First of all, to believe and say this is his message and story, yes. a letter about life written to me. I love to look at Genesis 1 and John chapter 1. Mm -hmm. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God. And to say, I trust and believe that there has to be some Genesis, some power that gave life and existed to this world. 
I've studied about evolution. I've studied the theories and I've heard them say, well, we don't have any final genesis. We can't put our finger on how it started, but we know that the Big Bang occurred. And then I hear a story from a God who says, in a very orderly fashion, created the heavens and the earth, brought man into existence. And then I go to John chapter 1 where it says that uh, this Word was in the beginning uh, and, and this Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by Him. So that story helps me link those two together. Uh, it helps me understand that here's a God that many people have sought to find, but when they discover Him, they're waiting for what He can do for them, as we said earlier. Right, right. So you put together a couple of different things. You, you look at what Paul says in Romans, that we ought to be able to look at this natural world, like you said, and say, there has to be a designer. There has to be a creator. All of these things couldn't function the way that they do without someone ordering it, without someone uh, creating it and designing it. So there's a, a logical conclusion that we come to that there must be a God. And then we look at His Word and we understand that this is the inspired Word of God. And I think going back to what, what we've been talking about is the God that we want versus the God that is. And that's what we need to be looking for is not when we open up the Bible, what kind of a God do I want to find? But we need to open up God's Word and we need to say, what kind of a God is? Who is God? What is truth? And so when you open up the Bible and you look at God's Word, what are some of your favorite passages that you go to that help us to really understand who God is? You referred to Isaiah 55 a moment ago with some references where it says, You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Mm -hmm. So interesting that people today are saying, Well, I'm looking for help. I'm looking for support. I'm looking for answers. And yet somewhere in the process of looking for it, it's like in Romans 10 where it says, they had a zeal for God, but it was not according to knowledge. You see, if I'm going to work for you and you're going to be my employer, I need to get to know you and what you expect and how we're going to share together and then how I can please you in order to gain a sense of confidence and do my job well. The same is true with my God. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to know that when I walk with Him and understand He's, there's a grand old song, He walks with me and He talks with me in that special way. Uh, so many today say, well, I wake up in the night and I think God's talking to me and I see this vision standing by my bed. Let me tell you where God is talking. Wes, you and I know that to those that are listening. He's speaking in this book. Absolutely. He's talking about the wonderful way that He has related to mankind through the ages and how He reaches out to us. It's a matter of our response to the love of God through Christ Jesus. Absolutely. You know, you've, you've mentioned a few times things like uh, submission and authority and surrendering to God. Yes. You know, so many people kind of have the impression that you and I think that God just doesn't want us to have any fun, that, that God is just there to, to make a bunch of rules just to keep us from having fun. But don't you find that, that the more we submit to God's Word, the more we do what He would have us to do, the, the more the world makes sense and the way the more it it works the way that it's supposed to do you find that the christian life the life of surrendering to god and giving him the authority over us do you find that that life is unenjoyable or do you find that it's enjoyable i chose a phrase several years ago someone said you know and i enjoyed it and, and kept it for my own that god is not a rule maker he's a heart keeper mm. 
He is able to take care and care for your heart. And you see, we're not talking about the blood pump. We're talking about the computer of our age that God put in this mind that helps us to learn and discern, meaning to be able to recognize good from evil and danger from the things that keep us comfortable. But more than that, see, this is not a God who's just taking care of us here. This is a God who reaches out and helps us be, begin to understand and plan for the beauty of the life which is to come in Christ. Absolutely. You know, I think about, I think about my, you, and you know my little boys, and, and, yes. and I think about those two little boys, and I think, you know, I don't, I don't create uh, an environment, I don't create rules just to, to make them be my slaves. I, I create these things to put them in an environment where they're safe, where they're taken care of, where they learn what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be living. I, I create an environment so that they mature and they grow in the place where they're supposed to be and where they're gonna be the most safe. But we tend to have a rebellion, don't we? We tend to be rebellious people. My kids tend to be rebellious. They don't understand what the rules are in place for. But do you think that we as adults tend to be rebellious? And do you think that that plays oh, yes. into our concept of God so learning, many times? Learning, I think, Wes, you're making such a great point. Learning not to always say, like your boys would do, why, Daddy? But for us, as we respond to a God knowing about His love and understanding, we ask how. Mm -hmm. We yeah. say, how are you being able to guide me and to help me walk away from this addiction. I've had people, especially in the years of my counseling, uh, those who taught us would often say, you just tell people to turn it over to the Lord in spiritual counseling and God will take your, take your drug problem, your alcohol problem, your, your problem with, with sexual perversion away from you. God's not going to take anything away until I lay it down and walk away from it. If I walk away from that environment and maybe even sometimes those friends, maybe my family, and say, I'm going to take this road where he has assured me those struggles will not follow me. Absolutely. So learning, learning that God wants the best for us, learning that God has revealed for us through his word the way that we're supposed to walk that's going to, that's going to protect our hearts, that's going to protect our minds, that's going to protect our bodies. And if we will just surrender to Him, if we will trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own oh, no, understanding. And that's where we go wrong, isn't it? That we, we think we know, we know better. I mean, that's the way my boys are. They, they think right. that even though I'm the dad and I tell them, okay, this is the way you're supposed to do things. This is how it's going to work out. They think, well, I know better than you do. And they think I've got a better way. And we do that as, as adults too, right. don't we? Finish that up in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. When it says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Then the part in 6 is, he'll direct your path. That's right. The neat story quickly. Time is getting away from us. Uh, a little boy coming home from Bible study and there was an old derelict sitting there and scoffed at him and say, young boy, where have you been? And he said, well, I've been to study the Bible and to see God. And he said, you wasted your time, son. There is no God and the Bible is a myth. Mm. And he said, show me where God is in your life, little boy. And he said, well, mister, I'll show you where he is if you'll show me where he ain't. Mm. And I would be in trouble with my own English teacher, but I promise you the ain't made the point very, very clear. Uh, it's interesting that so often people are saying, show me something that God has suddenly and abruptly done like a spark of the light, like a flash in the night. You say, oh no, I'm going to show you how this existing God is all around us. Uh, David writes about it and says, you know, uh, I found myself waking up every place in my life and behold, God was there mm -hmm. because it's His power that works in us. But more than that, 
He's in your heart, Wes, and in your family. And the people at Baker Heights are growing in spirit and truth because of that exciting nature of the presence of God and His Son, Christ Jesus. Absolutely. Our time is, as you said, getting away from us. But if you just had to, to sum up just real briefly and say, this is who God is, what, what would you say to somebody? If somebody just came up to you on the street and you just had a couple minutes to say, this is, this is who God, somebody just asked you, who's God? What would you say? I would say he's the best friend you can find mm. because uh, the Bible talks about you are my friends if you do what I command you to do in John 15. And Jesus talks about you and I learning to be a friend. I would say he's also the best listening ear you're going to find because he's able to hear and to know and to understand your heart even before you ask. And then I would say he's the best director. Mm -hmm. He is able to give you a sense of purpose and show you where you're going in your life if you get into his guidebook, which is this great book of Jehovah God. Absolutely. And it's just, it's all learning that God is trustworthy and that we can trust Him and that if we will surrender to Him and say, God, tell me who you are. Tell me what you would have me to do. Tell me uh, what direction I should go and lean on His Word and open it for understanding. The, the, the sky is the limit, isn't it? The message is so clear. Even in the Old Testament, when you go back and read, and I'll do this quickly, the word Jehovah with it also has descriptions about the provider, the one who's a defender, the one who is, is the, the voice and the revealer that, that is our leader. And you say, we have to understand God is not just something you put in a box and say, well, I'll take that out on Sunday and I'll open it up and find my spiritual way. I keep him with me as my best friend. Absolutely. Gary, I think this gives us a lot of great information to think about. I really appreciate you being on the show today. I really appreciate you helping us to understand uh, who God is and how he would have us to live. We'll be back in just a moment with a final thought. Crosstalk is brought to you each week by Baker Heights Church of Christ, located at 5382 Texas Avenue in Abilene, Texas. We meet every Sunday morning for Bible study at 9 and worship at 10, and every Sunday evening at 6. We also meet on Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're in the Abilene area, we would love for you to come worship with us. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Crosstalk. Now, here's a final thought from Wes. I want to thank Gary Montgomery again for being on the show and sharing his wisdom and experience with us. Friends, I want you to understand that you can know God. In Acts 17, Paul was preaching a sermon to the people of Athens, and he told them that God is not far from each one of us. If you will seek Him, you can find Him and know Him. He's a God who loves the whole world so much that He gave His only Son that we might have eternal life, John 3:16. He loves you. He sent His Son to die so that you might have eternal life. But in order to have that eternal life, you have to submit and surrender fully to Him. If you're searching for God, there are people at Baker Heights who can help you understand Him, understand His Word, and understand His will for your life. Give us a call today. The number is 325-692-6974. We would love to study the Bible with you. Or if you have a question about something you've heard on the show today, please send us an email at questions at bakerheights.org. We may even include your question on a future episode so others can benefit from the answer as well. Again, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. I hope you learned something, and I hope you were encouraged. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and family about Crosstalk. We love you. God loves you. Have a wonderful day.